Welcome to the No More podcast, hosted by UK Says No More, a national campaign against domestic abuse and sexual violence. Each week, we'll be discussing a different topic around domestic abuse or sexual violence with the aim of raising awareness, educating and making a difference. Today, we're here with artist and filmmaker Jamie Yankovic, discussing their film, Them, or Things My Ex-Boyfriends Have Actually Said To Me, as well as their experiences with domestic and sexual violence as a member of the LGBTQ community. So today I am here with Jamie Yankovic. Hi. A uh, filmmaker. Um, We're basically just going to discuss a variety of topics around uh, sexual violence and domestic abuse and lived experience, especially from an angle of LGBTQ people. And also, how old are you, Jamie? Uh, 22. 22. So relatively young people as well, Um, because as I'm sure you're all aware, it's not an issue that is restricted to one age group or gender mm. identity or sexual orientation, etc., etc. So, yes, I guess first off, it would be good to introduce yourself and your film as well, because I know you've worked on a few films, but specifically one, Them, which focuses on domestic abuse and sexual violence. So, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Jamie Yankovic. Hi. Um, yeah, I... Uh make kind of experimental films um i i'm here because I, I made a film last year called um them or things that my ex-boyfriends have actually said to me in brackets um and it was about um my time spent in a abusive relationship around 2012 2013 um where i experienced like well, all types of abuse, really. I, I won't get into graphics. Um, and I made the film primarily because I was always really frustrated with how I had experienced something, in, in this case, um, like uh, rape, domestic abuse in a same-sex relationship. But I had never seen that anywhere else, anywhere else in media. Whenever I saw any kind of domestic abuse storyline especially or specifically in like a a couple setting it would either be um a straight couple or a lesbian couple and it would never reflect what I actually went through so I come from a sociology background so I'm very conscious of social issues and using film as a accessible way to talk about social issues that aren't spoken about a lot if, if at all so I really wanted to make something that used kind of trauma that I had gone through and turn it into like a almost sort of positive art that people could see and hopefully at least start conversations about things that I don't think are talked about very much. It sounds like a lot of different scenarios went into that film, you know, the facts that like we said, you know, it's not only a male relationship, it's a same sex relationship and that you know, it's just not seen on, on TV or in games or in music, any types of media so much at all, really. What role, basically, does films and media play in ensuring that people feel valid with their experiences and feel able to tell their stories as you are? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just representation. It's it's nice to just sort of 
exist in the world, seeing media versions, any type of media of things that you've gone through. It's just, I mean, it's why people, you know, listen to music sometimes to like cry or to, to I don't know, dance or to just or feel any type of emotion. You, you want to listen to something that um, you can either connect to or escape into. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, any type of media does one of those two things at any time. Um, and I think people get really frustrated when they don't have any of those things because they feel disconnected or they feel isolated. So that there is that really kind of like guttural feeling of like, I don't see my stories or my experiences reflected anywhere. So when you do see it, it's like almost cathartic yeah. in a way and just, and just comforting that there is that mm-hmm. there for you. Like you aren't you aren't alone again. And what would like your hope be for your own film? Would you sort of want it to get out there for people to be able to relate, or as a way of you know allowing people to understand what they're going through, or to encourage people to get further help? Or what would your sort of personal reflection on your own work be? I mean, any of those would be great, <laughs> um, especially in in the way the film is set up. So I don't think I, I described it. Um, it's basically a kind of recreation, um, almost kind of like Crime Watch when they, they recreate <laughs> like crime scenes. It's kind of like that um, of my time in that relationship and then also after and then into another relationship. Um, but the film is entirely seen through the point of view of other people looking at me experiencing this. So mm. it's like from the point of view of Mike's boyfriend. It's from the point of view of my friends and family um as they watch me go through this experience is from the point of view of the next boyfriend who didn't understand why my relationship with affection and sex was different coming from that experience well I did that on purpose so you could hear the things that were being said that would be classed as abuse or just ignorance Mm. but then you could also see how it affected that person and it would hopefully serve as a kind of like how to to spot that kind of behavior in in relationships that maybe you're in or other people are in because often people think that abuse is just physical like Mm. that's the main narrative of it it's like we believe that you're being abused because you have the the physical marks and the bruises to prove it and it's often a lot more nuanced and complex mm-hmm. than that um it's like emotional abuse mental abuse verbal abuse sexual abuse and not all of that is physically seen i think you know a lot of our followers so on the sort of twitter and the instagram side of thing they you know they will always retweet and they'll always share mm-hmm. and even things like that it, it, it's important to get those things out there absolutely you know? yeah people i i i this is the kind of environment that I'm in online as well and uh, people sort of complain about um, Facebook activism they're like what does that do I'm like well as opposed to what doing nothing yeah you know it's social awareness is just I mean it even has the word social in it like social media I mean the whole thing is just being exposed to, Mm -hmm. to to news and to what people are interested in and why shouldn't that be um like co-opted for socially beneficial purposes that aren't just specific to 
here's what I ate this morning for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. so much opportunity in really anything anyone has access to, mm-hmm. to use it to do something towards social awareness in in any any topic that you feel strongly about. Definitely, definitely. I think as well, you know, you don't have to be a professional to do these things. Sure. You don't have to have all the facts and all the statistics. Obviously, if you do, it's great, you know. Mm. But if, if it's a cause that you're passionate about or if you feel that there's something that needs to be said that isn't being said, yep. you know, don't feel undermined by people with more knowledge necessary cause, necessarily because there's so many outlets of, of knowledge that you can go to. Sure. I mean, different types of knowledge, absolutely agree. I mean, I... Uh, this is the first, like, um, what I would call proper film that I'd ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only real sort of information or knowledge I had about it was just my lived experience. And yeah. I thought, how can I go about this in a way that's achievable? And I thought, well, just be as authentic as possible. Try to recreate how you felt and what was said and try and paint as clear a picture as possible mm. to help people identify um, what's wrong with that type of behaviour in a yeah. relationship or in any kind of dynamic between anyone because I think one of the other narratives that really frustrates me is that um, rape like ha- happens to a specific gender of a person or specific sexuality or it's, um, I don't know, a, a strange man that jumps out of a bush at midnight and mm. and that Completely. that's it and unfortunately rape is like universal problem it does not care what gender you are what genitals you have it doesn't care what sexuality you are ethnicity it doesn't care if this person is a stranger to you yeah doesn't even care this person could be your uncle yeah could be your pastor it could be absolutely anyone at any time yeah any place which is really saddening to say but it's true Mm -hmm. and i think doing your part to help whoever you have contact with you don't need to change the world but just do whatever you can it's going to help more than just doing nothing yeah 100 percent. and it's just a shame to me that we can get that we are we are in a situation where uh we can so poorly equip people with with really important information that affects not only them but the people around them that you can get to a point where people can be age 20 in university and then only discover the terms for what they went through. Mm-hmm. I think that's just such a, a shame and absolute failure on the part of education system in this yeah. country, yeah. sadly. You were very young when you were going through all those things. I think in terms of the relationship, um, right, so it's 2012, 2013, it would have been maybe like 16, 17, mm-hmm. I think at that point. So what do you think we need to be doing in the education system to not be failing these you know people who are 14 15 coming up to the age of getting into their first relationship yeah. or fully you know discovering their identity what do we need to be doing as an as a society and in education as well well first of all sex education is dire <laughs> i'm not going to be polite about it it's absolutely terrible mm-hmm. i'm not going to use curse words but just imagine <laughs> imagine all of them uh, in that sentence, and that would be what I would like to say at this point in time. <laughs> it's so bad. I, to be fair, um, I don't know what it's like now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only speak of what I experienced 
when I was in both primary school and secondary school. Which wasn't that long ago. Not that long ago, no. Um, so I, unless it's like vastly improved over a short period of time, I imagine mm. it would still be the same. For a start, gay sex education might as well just be a myth, fantasy, like gay people don't exist, yeah. no one cares about gay people, trans people, like you only learn, at least I only learned, this is a penis, this is a vagina, um, and... Uh, yeah. Apart from in secondary school, you w- took one step further and learned, okay, how to put a condom on a penis. And then mm. that was it. There you are, you're set for life. And it's uh, so ironic because they teach sex education in order to, I, I assume, in, in how they, they describe going about including it in any kind of syllabus, mm-hmm. they do it in order to prepare and protect young children. Um, if they do choose to engage in sexual activity um, so they don't harm themselves or other people but then apparently that same logic doesn't apply to queer kids because they don't get that mm-hmm. so it's almost it, it's it's ironic to pretend that you care about the sexual health of children but then don't give any kind of sexual education to the children that I would see as most at risk mm-hmm. if they don't have the proper uh, education um, and information about keeping themselves safe and and also even not even counting queer kids into it all kids need to learn about consent oh yeah and I was not taught about that no I all. first heard about consent probably at age like 20 yeah. or something in, in that sort of con- context yeah in the terms in the sense of like you know active uh, consent and, yeah. and continuing to ask is your partner okay yeah you know or just because you know you've you and your partner slept with each other last week doesn't mean that they're immediately want to do it again. Do yep. you know what I mean? Yep. That was not drilled into me yep. through any education. That was drilled into me through campaigning and activism. Absolutely. And because that wasn't drilled into me for education, I experienced that mm-hmm. and didn't know how to identify it and what to do to stop it. And yeah. it happened because it was allowed to happen because I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Yeah, I thought the the whole sort of like... Uh, uh, nudging and nudging your partner into having sex with you even though they don't want to I thought that was just normal because that scenario is also shown on TV as being normal and maybe even being in a comedy and being funny so it's just it's a whole bunch of institutions that really should know better and do better if they are in a position where they truly believe that they actually care about the uh, health of the people that they're responsible for educating. Yeah. As well, you know, as well as consent, as well as about sex education, it's about learning about healthy relationships. Absolutely. Because in all honesty, the majority of the the sort of aspects of a healthy relationship, I was not aware of until I started doing the work I'm doing now. You know, in terms of oh, just the simplest of things. And people portray arguing as like a completely normal thing. Whereas sometimes some arguments have underlying tones of abuse, you yeah. know, verbal intimidation, threat, you know. You, I've experienced all of this. You don't, you don't understand or get to know about it until you're a lot older. And I think if we really need, if we really want to change society and we want to change it now, then we have to start from as we mean to go on and we have to drill it in from a young age. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think that even applies not even to education about um, consent, sexual mm. health, healthy relationships that applies to politics that applies to uh, maybe even handling your finances, taxes that applies to everything you expect an adult to know Yeah. 
for them to be a socially functional adult that mm-hmm. can take care of themselves, you need to be teaching children at yeah. a young age. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, it's 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 almost like we're stuck in a routine. You know, we we know that sex education is more important than geography, for example, in in a lot of contexts, but still we seem to be stuck in this scenario where schools are still more keen to teach about the River Lee than they are about, you know, abuse and relationships. And it's confusing. I don't understand how we're at that point. I think perhaps part of it is they think that um, there's, like, an age limit to people being able to handle that kind of information. Yeah. Which is really irresponsible, even if they seem to have good intentions from that, because... Um, you have no way of knowing at what point anyone engages in sexual activity or engages in a relationship. Like, you just, you cannot police it. You have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Obviously, there's a legal age, but that that does not constitute um, a lot of the sexual experiences that um, I, my, like, my, my friends have had and I have had. It, you just, you, there's no way of knowing mm-hmm. when that's going to happen for someone. Yeah. So, Knowing that, you should want to prepare everyone as soon as humanly possible, just in case they do do it at a younger age yeah. than legally allowed or, yeah. or whatever. And that's not saying that, you know, when kids are really young, you're going to start telling them the ins and outs. You know, you don't need to do that, but it's about gradual learning about you know when when kids are five or six it's about teaching things about consent you know if you do if you don't want to hug your uncle you don't have to or if if that girl in your class doesn't want to hold your hand then she doesn't have to it's little steps and you know as they get older preparing them with more information and knowledge yeah and to be fair a lot of the things that actually teach people um how to abuse consent are established at a very young age and aren't counted by anything. So even, like, um, I don't know, give a really stereotypical example of, like, boys, um, like, hitting or physically teasing girls in the playground. The girls go and complain, and then the teachers say, like, oh, well, he must like you. He must be really interested in you, because that's what boys do. And that is really creepy when you think about it. I mean, that establishes, like, okay, so uh, being punched or or teased by a guy is equal to... uh, a level of attraction affection. to me yeah. and affection and it's just it's really weird that people don't even think twice since they say things like that because young people are so impressionable they just soak everything up like a sponge yeah. I mean young people find it a lot easier to learn languages even because that their brains are just at an impressionable age where they just go and just just soak up all this information and that stuff can stay with them for life and that kind of stuff even if you don't realise you're doing it can have negative consequences for when that person grows up yeah and just through their life I think in a post Me Too post Time's Up post Weinstein society Mm. I don't think we're going to be allowed to have these terrible teachings of or, or not teachings you know, I th- I think hopefully over the few next few years these kinds of things are going to be a must. You know, and it's going to be a thing that we're going to look back on and be shocked that we didn't do it already. Absolutely, I think people are just change seems to happen the more angry people get, mm-hmm. and I think um, it's a, sh- a shame that kind of the most extremes of reactions to things end up actually getting responses. Yeah people only seem to, at least people in positions of power, 
I only seem to react to something when there's just a very large negative response to yeah. something, um, and they they seem to not really care when it's at the more sort of smaller yeah. level. When it can go over their head. Yeah. That's that's when people, you know, they, they think it's, you know, people are angry now, but it's, you know, it'll blow over. Yep. And I think that was why these, you know, the campaigns that have been happening throughout the last year, you know, Me Too especially, they're lasting. And I think that is what is driving potential change. You know, this is a thing that is not going away. It's still here and we're still hearing about it. I think it's I think it's to do with the fact that um, the actual what they're um, campaigning against mm. just, just solidly doesn't stop. Yeah, it happens every single day. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's um, really sort of uh, aggravating how um, how much is done to silence people. Yeah, and I think you're seeing um, just especially with the Me Too and Times Up campaigns, you're seeing more of a more of just an outcry, a bigger outcry of people. I mean, there are so many people that this that have experienced this mm-hmm. who are already there, and it sadly took people, you know, in the limelight to say something because again, people react to like big outcries, and it's not necessarily in terms of actual numbers, but in terms of being a big person. Yeah. Right. Um, when, you know. It, it's weird because it, in a sense it's almost as if they don't listen to like the yeah. the the average person yeah. or the, like the little person even yeah. how they're how they're considered and it takes a, a big person to actually do like you know yeah. elicit big change it has to be you know Cosby or Weinstein or Spacey for people to think oh wow this is really bad yeah it can't be just the hordes yeah. of people you actually know in real life who, if you ask them, have you experienced sexual assault, will say yes. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's, it, I think it's almost unusual to not experience that. Like, yeah. that's how so much of a plague it is. Yeah. And it, it's because people are sort of maybe uncomfortable with asking, mm-hmm. or they don't know how they can help, that maybe they don't. But I will bet you, if you ask a group of people at random whether they've experienced it, you will yeah. find a lot of people that have sadly so just as we established earlier so you are a filmmaker yes and you're not you know you're not involved with the sector in a sort of professional way but looking in you know from an outside perspective what do you think the professionals need to be doing to help these people what better support can we be offering providing you know how can we reach these people who are staying silent I mean I would I can only speak about it professionally from just the the angle in which I also conduct my social change which is yeah. which is film so as weird as it sounds it kind of needs to be like a business um in the sense of like advertising and, and marketing and, and all the visual elements I mean you really need to treat it like um uh in the same kind of, of of manner as you would an advertisement from like Pepsi or something like it just needs to be everywhere yeah. It needs to be in all the billboards, and there needs to be sort of um, a visual campaign. Yeah. Because I think my so my background again is, is sociology, academic, um, and I changed to film because I kind of realised the um, limitations of just the written words in yeah. how accessible it can be. Yeah. Um, generally, especially on my degree and I think this can kind of count for any kind of academic degree you tend to 
write things with a purpose of, especially in sociology, to learn about social change and educate you in that regard and hopefully equip you with the knowledge to go off into the world and, and do better things and make it a better place for other people. But then you write an essay about it and then it doesn't really go anywhere. It kind of just stays there. It's given yeah. to your tutor or your lecturer maybe, but they already know this information anyway. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't go beyond oftentimes anyway, the university sector. Um, so I figured that, okay, I want it to go beyond this. I want it to, if my, my aim is to help other people with this project, how can I get it outside of this space that I'm in? Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, if I make it audiovisual piece that you can see in here, it can be put onto YouTube, it can be put onto Vimeo, it can be put on all my social media channels. And especially with the kind of the need to be stimulated constantly that uh, people our age are likely to have, I find that people are a lot more likely to pay attention if they're watching something that moves. Yeah, that's no, <laughs> um, true. If yeah. you get what I mean. And the written word doesn't. Yeah. So if you really want to capture people's attention and make sure that they're actually listening and looking at what you are trying to say and are passionate about, it needs to be... You need to venture into marketing and advertising that is uh, in film or TV, print ads even. Yeah. Um, it just... It needs to be visual yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and stimulating yeah so it to increase just the accessibility um of uh your 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 material yeah that will only benefit you in the long run because it means more people are exposed to your charity and your work and mm. and, and what you're doing as opposed to whether it, like, it just being written yeah it can it can go in more in more places yeah if well, you have it just, in more forms yeah yeah okay and then i think probably it's like a final point what can we all be doing to stop these issues, to tackle these issues? Little daily changes to our behaviour that can really have an impact. You know, I think one of the most, for me, I read a, an article and it was about this, this lady who's at the gym and she saw somewhat a, another girl not who was training and there was a guy who wouldn't leave her alone and kept pestering her and, you know, asking her out and whatnot and whatnot. And she basically said, oh, you know, and pretended to be like an old friend and engaged her in, in conversation and invited yeah. her to train with her. And it got her out of that situation. Whereas obviously you shouldn't have to be in that situation in the first place. Yeah. But what are these little things that we can all be doing to step in and stand out and take a stand and really help to make a change? I mean, first of all, especially from a social issue point of view, it's sad that we've got to a point where we demonise just women, girls, femininity so much that all of the onus is on them to protect mm-hmm. themselves. Whereas what we should be doing is teaching men and boys oh, yeah. that about consent and that that's not something that you should just, un- like in a very unwarranted way, be able to do mm-hmm. for absolutely no reason. Um, but there is that element of, even if we do that, it's still going to happen. So yes, it is, I think, necessary to establish some kind of some kind of element of awareness of other people I think it's just kind of that whole sort of bible thing of like just treat people how you, you would want to be treated and that doesn't just mean being kind to people it means helping them as well Yeah. Um, if you see that kind of behaviour and again it's the education thing because people can see things and not 
realise it's an issue. Yeah. So it's first educating people mm-hmm. as to what's right and what's wrong. Then it enables them to identify it. And then because they can see it and know what it is and know that that may not be resolved unless they help them, mm-hmm. um, I think they're more likely to feel a responsibility to actually do that. But in terms of... Um, protecting people in that respect mm-hmm. um, that is kind of just administering a plast to a wound yeah. whereas the wound really is making sure people don't treat people like that in the first yeah. place and by that I just mean understand boundaries um, and it stems from education as well it stems from education and it, it's just we could be teaching and obviously again in terms of social issue representation not just boys like Mm. everyone everyone needs to be taught at a very early age what is a healthy relationship what is consent Mm. boundaries etc etc how to just treat people with with common decency and respect yeah um and i think if we start young hopefully it won't reach a point where we have to be like fighting for people in the the streets when we see this happening um because that that really is like that takes a lot of guts and even if you do help out, you know, it could also physically harm yourself by even doing that. Yeah. Um, so I think if we start with the education part to seal the wound shut before it even develops, yeah. I think that is probably the most useful thing because then we won't have to resort to those kind of measures. Yeah, completely. Um, and yeah, a bit of plugging for yourself. What was your film called? Uh, them, or things that my ex-boyfriends have actually said to me. It's a short film, nine minutes, 23 seconds. <laughs> Had to remember that. Um, if any of you are interested in seeing it, it's publicly available on Vimeo. At, um, vimeo.com slash Jamie Yankovic. Um, J-A-N-K-O-V-I-C. Serbian. I know people won't be able to spell it. Um, yeah, it, it's called Them. So you can you can watch it online for free. Um and sometimes if it's uncomfortable to physically talk to someone about something, showing them something related to that and asking what they think about it might be an easier way to do it if it seems more comfortable. Conversation starter. Yeah, a conversation starter. That's the whole reason I made the film. Um, yeah, so if, if that seems like something that you'd be interested in watching, um, yeah, it, it's online. And it's made to help people, so access it however you, you want to and I would be very happy about that because it would be it would would make my heart warm (laughs) thank you for more information on the issues discussed in this podcast visit uksaysnomore.org you can also download bright sky for free from your app store for support and information on domestic abuse sexual consent stalking and harassment